to the Wonder Women podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I am your host. Every week I bring you two interviews of female or non-binary makers of all kinds from all around the world. This week's guest, this week's Wednesday guest is Kelly Parker. Kelly is a chemist by degree and actually spent about 18 years of her career life, corporate life as she calls it, as a chemist until she decided to take a huge leap, leave that, and uh, learn how to make furniture. Um, her designs, as she proclaims, are kind of, you know, nothing to do with right angles. She tries to put as many curves and fun things into her designs as possible. I really enjoyed chatting with Kelly, and I know you're going to enjoy this interview as well. But before we get to the interview, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Christina B, Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Sven Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing and continued support of the podcast. And with no further ado, here is Kelly Parker. So I always start by letting my guests introduce themselves. So when you're ready, uh, go ahead. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Katie, thanks so much for inviting me. Um, my name is Kelly Parker, and I am a designer and maker of contemporary studio furniture based outside of Kansas City. Um, I have a really curvy contemporary aesthetic, which means I get to do all kinds of fun things like steam bending and laminate bending and um, don't really do right angles in my work. <laughs> That's awesome. That's like my favorite type. No right angles yep. anywhere in, in a piece of work. Um, and I like the Kansas City area. I really, uh, some of, we've gone twice with my whole family and the kids really enjoy Kansas City. That's like one of their favorite places to go visit. And we've got a thriving arts community here. So that's kind of sweet too. Yeah. Well, you're, a, I mean, you're a university. I, I wouldn't call you a town though. Uh, university city, right? Yeah. 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 There's several universities, I would say within 50 miles of here. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, let's let's take it back a bit. Where did you grow up? Uh, what kind of things were you interested in? So I grew up kind of all over. I was born in Phoenix and I was there till, I don't know, eight maybe. Lived in California for a couple of years, moved to the Midwest, Kansas when I was 
I think in fifth grade. And this is kind of where I decided to make home. I went to school here and got married. And so this is kind of where I am. Okay. Yeah. Fifth grade is a rough year for a girl. (laughs) (laughs) And especially a rough year to start a new school. Yep. I started started new schools a lot. Not (laughs) great as a kid. Um, uh, what, what kept your family moving? Was it just jobs for your parents or? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly jobs. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, what were you interested in as a kid? Like what really captured your attention? So I was kind of a weird kid. I was very bookish. I loved to read. I loved the fact that in a book I could go to a different planet or a different time. Um, so I read a lot. I loved to be outside a lot. Um, I really loved collecting stones or shells or um, this is a really weird one, but you know, locusts, uh, mm-hmm. when they bat yep, little yep. They on the tree, I would take paper bags and collect those <laughs> shells. I don't know why. I just like the way they sounded in the paper bag, but I was a, yeah, I was a strange kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay strange kids make great artists when yeah. they grow up yeah, yeah. <laughs> um was there any kind of like school activities you did as you got older so in high school so here in Kansas City there's a five-year college prep high school called Sumner Academy of Arts and Science and as you might suspect they focus on the arts and the science. Um, So I went there all five years and I was a geek. Like I took every science class I could, um, but I also took art class every year and that's where I learned woodworking. So it wasn't a shop class. It wasn't taught as a shop class. It was taught as an art class. Um, And I probably took that from ninth through 12th grade. And so that's where I discovered a love of tools and working with my hands and wood. But even though I did that, I never really identified as an artist. I always identified as a scientist. And so um, I got my degree in biochemistry from KU. I worked as a chemist, as an analytical chemist for almost 18 years in my corporate world before I sort of ran for the edge of the cliff, dove to become a furniture maker. So, so yeah, so all, most of my corporate world I use the sciencey part of mm-hmm. my brain and now I'm using the artsy side of my brain. <laughs> so when you say like in high school it wasn't a shop class it was an art class so was it was it like kind of you know I've had guests on who went to like art school and got like a 3D sculpture degree was it like that type of woodworking and art like more it was, yeah, I mean, it wasn't furniture pieces. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I would say more sculptural. So I, I remember one of the projects I did was a, a hand mirror. And so I just took scrap and so, you know, a four by six oval hand yeah. mirror and that the back and the handle were scrap that I had inlaid with brass. Mm-hmm. So I just took scrap and I cut, you know, different angles or whatever. And I, there was brass inlay in between every piece. Um, I remember I made my dad a biplane, a wooden uh, bi-wing mm. airplane. He was a pilot. And so I just, I laminated bits of wood together, scooped out where the pilot would sit. I had, you know, guy wires connecting it, connecting the two wings. So it was more art type mm-hmm. wooden than this is how you do a dovetail joint. Like right. I, it wasn't joinery at all. Yeah. Okay. 
So what kind of tools were you working with then in that environment? Um, I'm sure we had a bandsaw. Um, I remember a sander for sure. I don't think we had a jointer and a planer. I, I can't imagine we would have had that. I don't remember those tools, mm-hmm. but definitely it was power tools. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so not necessarily like hand tool, chisel work. I don't remember chisel work. I'm sure I sanded by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, those were a lot of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can, so interesting, the two most influential instructors in my life were my high school art teacher, Alvin Mobley, and my college physics professor. Right. So those two things really shaped my life in the two arenas that I've kind of worked mm-hmm. so far. Yeah. So, I mean, you went to college and you went the science route. Did you yeah. take any art classes while you were at, in college? No, I. Um, so as a chemist, sometimes you need your own glassware. And I wanted to take a glass blowing class, but they wouldn't let me because I wasn't an art major. So no. Um, but I always managed to kind of keep involved in some sort of woodworking project, but it was mostly rough in carpentry. So a deck, a dock, the occasional house. Um, So I didn't really have a shop. I didn't do nice woodworking, but I always kind of dabbled in the fringes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but mostly like rough in type carpentry. Okay. So I am going to fully admit I do not understand chemistry. And I tried several attempts at understanding chemistry. And it's just one of those things I do not get. <laughs> so chemistry, it's weird. Chemistry, like when you draw like a water molecule, it looks like it's flat on paper. Chemistry is a 3D thing. And like when I was taking chemistry, you get these molecular model kits so you can actually see molecules in 3D and understand, oh, this isn't flat. This is an actual physical right. thing that takes up volume. So yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can't I can't geek out with you about the chemistry. <laughs> I just cannot do it. All right, let's geek out on tools instead. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um all right. So you spent corporate professional career, I mean a good amount of time in that yeah. world in chemistry. Uh, keeping kind of woodworking on the fringes, mm-hmm. uh, like you talked about. So what, I guess, what changed? What clicked to kind of switch wow. gears? So it's so weird. It was like four or five little random kind of non-events. And I don't even remember what they are at this point, but just like these four or five little things that sort of pushed me out of the safety of the corporate nest, you know, good income, health insurance, all that <laughs> stuff. And, I'm, and like, I am usually a girl with a plan, bungees, parachutes. And it's like, I randomly decided to become a furniture maker and I just ran for the cliff and dove, like nothing. Like I'd never made a single piece of furniture in my life. Like how random of a life decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, did you start even like fiddling before no, leaving the corporate no. job? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been smart? <laughs> No, I just, I, I just, I just left. Um, so I um, spent some time going to several shops of my friends to see like what kind of tools they had. Um, a friend of mine gave me every back issue of Fine Woodworking Magazine that he had. So I spent my first year reading Fine Woodworking Magazine, turning my basement that never intended to be a shop into a shop. Um, 
buying my tools, setting my tools up. Um, and then I started making stuff. And I decided I probably ought to educate myself. So I started taking classes at uh, Mark Adams School of Woodworking, which is just outside of Indiana, uh, Indianapolis, and then also Anderson Ranch Art Center outside of Aspen. And then I did a couple of internships, which are really, really important to me. And kind of through all of that, I sort of found my aesthetic and um, discovered that furniture could be sculpture. I had no idea that what I am doing was even a thing. So yeah, what my life is, is not even what I thought it would be when I said bye-bye to the corporate, corporate <laughs> race. So let's, I want to spend a little time talking about like that moment. I can imagine there's both excitement and fear at high levels mm. <laughs> going on. Um, so what was that moment like? What was the moment of taking the, the step well, off the curb there? <laughs> I, I will say having a partner that is emotionally and financially supportive of this random choice you just made is really a great thing. Um, uh, so, so that that was really helpful that he had my back on this. And then also, so I grew up really poor and, you know, went to college, made good money. Well, I, I have always been a very frugal spender. So I had a really nice bank account that sort of supported me in the first years. I self-funded like the build out of my studio and buying the tools. So I know that I'm really lucky to be in this position to, not be paying rent on a place, not be carrying a huge loan on this business that I just started. And what that does for me is it lets me just take the commissions I wanna take. Because I've had people tell me, don't make what you don't wanna make because as soon as you start making kitchen cabinets and you don't wanna make kitchen cabinets, people are gonna know that you make kitchen cabinets. Right. <laughs> so I've been super fortunate to be able to say no to work that I didn't wanna do. And not everybody is in that place. Yeah. And, and I think though, there's two reasons people aren't always in that place. One is uh, sustainability of the business, right? When, right. when you're just starting out, there definitely is a, I mean, you want to, you want to at least break even <laughs> at the very least. And so yeah. there can be a fear of like, okay, I need to take whatever comes my yeah. way in order to make that happen. But then I also think like you took the time to go down the path and like learn what your aesthetic is. And if somebody hasn't done that yet, then I think you take projects because you don't necessarily maybe know that that's yeah. not your thing until you've yeah. done it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's weird because you don't, at least I didn't, say, oh, this is going to be my aesthetic. It's just as I started designing my own work, I, I like to play a lot with the sort of the illusion of parts hovering away from each other and then connecting those pieces with dowels that are visible. So it's part of, well, it's the joinery and it's also the aesthetic of the piece. And I didn't like intentionally set out to do that, but just as I sketch and as I model and as I just play with the orientation of parts, it's just a thing that keeps coming up in my work. Um, so yeah, I think your aesthetic finds you. I don't know that you can beat your way 
into it. But I have, like I said, I've had the freedom to design my work and do what I want to do and not take those things that I mean just to pay the bills. Right. Yeah. Hey, friends. I wanted to tell you about an awesome brand I discovered that you might love as well. Have you ever spent a ton of money on clothing that was supposed to be high performance only for it to end up at the back of your closet because it just doesn't fit right? I personally hate when this happens. I get excited about a new pair of work boots and then I'm disappointed to find out they just weren't designed for me. Discovering Athena Outfitters was a game changer for me. Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women. All of their items are handpicked to meet the needs of women in the trades, not just sized down versions of items designed for men. They've got great workwear essentials like comfortable, soft, and safety toe boots and options for my active lifestyle when I'm off the clock as well. Shopping with Athena Outfitters saves me time and energy because I always know I'm getting a high quality product that also looks and feels great. Next time you're looking for gear with grit, check out AthenaOutfitters.com. That is A-T-H-E-N-A Outfitters.com and use special code at checkout MM15 to get a 15% discount because you listen to the Maker Mom podcast. So, I mean, are you at a level now where, like, it is self-sustaining based on the commissions you're getting in? So, um, that's kind of a yes, kind of a no. I would say my business is self-sustaining, but I am not really taking an income from it. So um, the money that I bring in allows me to pay for tool upgrades and, um, you know, things, things in my shop. I'm not really taking a salary from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is I consistently underestimate how long it's going to take me to do something. Part of it is that fear of asking that big price, afraid that mm-hmm. you're going to drive a client away. And I would say I'm probably charging half to two thirds of what my mentor says I should be in in the arena that I want to play in. And then also I'm kind of not sure how to ha- how to get access to folks that have that kind of disposable income. What I make is a luxury item, clearly, clearly. So I'm still trying to figure all of that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like like by far, I've gotten way more recognition in this career than I ever did in my corporate career, um, which is great. Um, I, I, I love my days. I love that some days I'm drawing, some days I'm modeling, some days I'm out hefting big boards in my drying shed, some days I'm running a chainsaw. Um, I, I love the control that I have mm-hmm. over that, yeah. I think yeah. I wandered away from the question. No, sure no. Question, I mean, no. You're you're good. I I think I was gonna say, darn. I was hoping you could tell me you had it all figured out on how to like make money in this business. Um, I'm with you. You know, I had recently. I've I've kind of hit like I I feel like okay I'm turning 40 this year so I guess it's my midlife crisis coming mm-hmm. on but um, it's this 
A, I'm finally saying, no, I'm not taking commission or I'm not doing work that I don't want to do. Yep. That's empowering, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and B, like, I'm going to ask what I'm worth. And if you're going to tell me no, then it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I don't take it as like, I don't know, like, I guess I was hungry enough to be like, oh, okay. You yeah. know, um, but it's really talking, you know, with, with somebody else in the, in the industry that I value her opinion um, a lot, you know, she just put it into perspective too of like, well, what if you just started by like doubling what you charge for this one piece, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I was like, man, I can't ask that price, you know, who's going to buy that? And she's like, well, think of it another way. How would your practice change if that's what you were charging for that piece? Like, would you enjoy it more? Would you slow down? Would you, mm -hmm. you know, like, and it's like, oh, I guess I didn't even think about it in that yeah. sense yeah. too. Um, and, and really even doubling my prices is still not covering the amount of time <laughs> it takes yeah. me to make a piece. Yeah, um, I am so with you. So it's, it's you know, and I, and I think it's also changing my mindset, uh, having conversations with, with my wife about like, no, I don't think I'm necessarily a furniture maker in the sense of like, that's like the desire anymore. She's like, no, she's like, your pieces are really much more artistic than like, you know, when you think like arts and craft type mm -hmm. furniture pieces or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's more changing my mindset to an artist and then I should be charging the price that goes along yeah. with that. You know, it's interesting. Words have power. Words have yeah. power. My brother, it, he and I are interesting. We use a lot of the same tools. He works mostly in metal. Um, he does a lot of metal fabrication. We use a lot of the same tools. We both rely on jigs for what we do. And um, I commented about, like, I don't say that I have a shop. I call it my studio. And so he started thinking in terms of his studio. And he said, I feel so different about how I approach my work, working in a shop versus working in a studio. Same work, right? right? But it's just, it's a mindset. Yeah, and and I think it depends on what you're, um, what you've had access to, what you've been um, exposed to, right? Like I was exposed to woodworking for the first time in seventh grade shop class mm -hmm. or or eighth grade shop class, yeah. you know, um, when it was like you were forced to take home ec and shop and like the three. I don't even remember what the other rotation was. I just remembered that I could not stand home ec, but. <laughs> <laughs> And being forced to sew, and I yeah. still don't do so. Yeah, let's, let's not even go down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was always a, a, a workshop, and I had woodworkers in my family, and so mm -hmm. um, it was never, it was thought of art enough that it was discouraged for me to ever, like, actually uh -huh. go down that path. Yeah. Like, you can't make money doing that. Um but I would say it, it's, yeah, it's a fine line, art and craft and yeah. trade. Like they all float in the same pool, but on their yeah. own floaties type thing. So I guess I consider what I do, what you do, 
as craft with a capital C craft, not little C craft. And so to me, craft is jewelry. It is glass blowing. It is those type of arts. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I had another thing I was going to say, but it's gone. Poof. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the other thing is I like I approach my work as a sculptor like so I don't think about the build at all when I'm designing mm. it's like oh I don't know how to make a curved cabinet door therefore I won't draw a curved cabinet mm -mm. no I I want to create this shape first the shape mm -hmm. that I want to make and then I figure out how to build it like I don't know how to build anything that I design right I kind of mm -hmm. have a clue but like the job is figuring out the build like right. first and foremost, I want to make pretty shapes. You know, I want, I want this great silhouette. I want the space between bar stools to be beautiful. So I'm, I'm thinking 3D volume sculptor type things. And later I figure out how the heck do I get a joint in there? And how do I make this thing structural? That's, so. that's really interesting. Cause that's, um, before the, uh, trash can on fire year that 2020 was <laughs> I I started out the year telling myself I was just going to experiment and just do what you talked about like basically think of what I want to do and then like experiment my way into creating that yeah that did not happen <laughs> but that was that was the thought because I found myself thinking I I don't have a great sketch um, I don't know, sketch process in place or sketch, you know, where I sit down and just really sketch. I generally just think of the shapes and the design in my head, but I would find myself as I would go down the path of what you're talking about, like, okay, here's my idea. Now I'm thinking about how I'm going to make that, that by the time I got to what I actually made, it didn't look anything like what I actually mm -hmm. wanted to make because I had limited myself by what I knew how to do, yep. you know? And so I didn't want to do that intentionally last year. And I think I still managed to do that, but not in the sense that I was hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of time if you're figuring it out every single yep. project, which, <laughs> which again goes to the income piece. Like if you're making five or six different pieces and you know the joiner and you've got all the jigs, bada boom, bada bing, they're out the door but I have no desire to do that. Like I want, like every piece is fresh and like that's kind of the fun is figuring it out. But it also means that it takes me a couple of months to make yep. a piece. And that's like, and I, I'm a single woman shop. I'm a smaller person, so I can't do big things. I can get three, maybe four big projects big project like a table in mm -hmm. a year right just because yeah. of how long it takes me to figure it out and everything I do is hand sculpted like I can get close to the final cross section by throwing a router bit in my router table but all of the shapes I make they're almost always continually changing compound curves that doesn't happen on a tool <laughs> right. on, on a power tool right? right that's that's all done by hand mm -hmm. and that's what I want to do I I don't I yeah so like I said at the start, I'm lucky to be able to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah. 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 I think I've actually, without even really thinking about it intentionally, I think I've started down the path I wanted to take last year, this year, 
with taking on trying to do one small carving project Mm -hmm. a month and without taking much time to think about it, just to be like, I'm going to make that, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and then, and then I do it. And sometimes, you know, I have a pile of pieces that it's like, that was my intention when I started. And it's now chucked to the either firewood pile or the, let's see how, if it sits there long enough, I can figure out how to salvage it pile. (laughs) I mean, it's all great learning, right? And small pieces, like that's kind of low risk. And if it gets being burned, then you've got a beautiful sculpture in your fireplace, you know, you know, it was kind of a low risk thing that you can then take to your next furniture project. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Especially with, um, just really having fun experimenting with different textures again Mm -hmm. on a small piece like if it doesn't turn out the way I hoped for it to turn out that's fine but then I know exactly different techniques to use when I'm taking it to like one of the larger you know log pieces Um, so I'm excited for when I finally get to my carved chair towards the end of the year and get to work on that. Like I know by the time I get there, like the outside texture is going to be something that I never would have gotten to if I hadn't done all these small projects. I love texture. I I tell people that I think furniture should be um, explored by the fingertips as much as the eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what one of my uh, furniture uh, teachers always said is that, people look at furniture with their hands by touch. And so that's always stayed with me so that even when I add texture, you can talk to different power carvers about like if they sand or don't sand after adding texture. Um, And I insist on sanding because I'm like, no, this, I want that to be like, you look at it and you think it's going to feel a certain way, but when you touch it, it feels completely different. Um, It's an experience, right? Each piece to me is an experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting you use that word because when I teach design, that's what I tell people is like, we are in charge of the experience that that end user goes through when they mm-hmm. look at our work, when they touch our work. Um, yeah, we're, that's one of the things we're in charge of as we design and build. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you bring up teaching. <laughs> Is that something <laughs> that, um, I mean, you've mentioned your, your studio business, but I mean, are you in the realm of teaching as well? I, I do teach. Um, I am an introvert and I didn't know if I would like the teaching thing, but it turns out I really, really love to teach. Um, back in my corporate days, I was always involved in, um, what's that building organization, Habitat for Humanity. Oh, yep. Yeah. So, um, we always did a women build project mm-hmm. Habitat always did a women build project in Kansas city. And so I was one of three ladies that uh, was in charge of the women build, uh, group at our corporation. And so I had, um, like an executive vice president with her lacquered nails <laughs> and I was teaching her how to use a circular saw. Like she'd never run a saw mm-hmm. before. And so I love love, especially to teach women how to use power tools, um, just because we don't always grow up with that experience or 
even the vocabulary, just knowing what a tool is called is incredibly empowering. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of was doing some teaching then, but I, in the realm I'm in now, I also um, get to go out and teach and that's kind of a gas. Love to do that. What, what uh, things do you get to teach now? Um, I, so I taught in New Zealand. Um, I came home from New Zealand in March of 2020. <laughs> like mid-March of 2020, like right as the zombies were yes, getting. Yeah. But I just came back, um, I, I taught a design class, an embellishment class. Um, so those are the things that I am mostly teaching, design embellishment. I'm co-teaching with Michael Cullen um, at a school in Florida here in a couple of weeks. And we're doing a two-week apprenticeship class. And so it's mostly focused on design. But then uh, we're going to kind of tag team teaching sort of advanced techniques mm -hmm. and um all kinds of different embellishment techniques. I'm a bendy girl, so I, I'm going to teach three or four different ways how to bend wood. Um, he does incredible surface textures. Uh, yeah. So, so how do you find or how do these opportunities find you? Um, well, so it sort of started with um, one of my first mentors taking me on the road to assist him in various places. And then the owners of those schools then contacting me to come and teach my own classes. So. Okay. Yeah. Have you gotten into the realm of virtual teaching at all during this past year? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of out of necessity. And it's a whole different beast. Like in a class, you can sort of gauge how people are like, if they're getting it, if they're not getting it, on Zoom and all you have those little tiles, it's kind of hard to know if people are really into it. But I also think that their expectations are different mm -hmm. in a virtual class versus an in-person class. And prior to last year, if you would have said, oh, can, can you teach woodworking virtually? It's like, no. no. Right. <laughs> I mean, people are teaching yoga virtually and ballet virtually. So yeah, I, I, I would say I prefer in-person, mm -hmm. but the virtual work way better than I ever would have thought. And do you think virtual right? Do you think yeah. virtual is here to stay I in some capacity? Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually I've I set the date finally or picked a date finally for teaching a, a virtual power carving class um, for beginners this summer but now I'm like hmm like it is possible to potentially have it like to be safe to have yeah. it in person and honestly I would ideally prefer to do it that way um but I don't know like all of a sudden yeah. you open it up to the world not right. just yeah. <laughs> not just who can travel here and that's just that's that's part of it too is the people who are excited to take the class proud like it's probably something they can take and be more affordable to, yeah. uh, to be able to take it virtually, you know, from their own home shop. Hi makers. Today's episode is brought to you by toolmomstore.com. Tool Mom and Company is for all ages, genders. They have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts and clothing. 
the products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind. In fact, I have two of the mugs. Uh, one has a circular saw with flames coming off of it. It says, Go Girl. Another one has the definition of a tool chick. Both of them are super awesome, and I have coffee out of them almost every morning. So check out toolmomstore.com or find them on Instagram at toolmombonnie. You can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. So I took a virtual class from Michael Cullen, who I'm going to co-teach with, because like I said, he does these amazing surface textures. And he was teaching us this two-day class, make this sweet little carved vessel. I don't do a ton of carving. Um, it was a virtual class. And I got to say, I was in my shop. I knew where every single one of my tools mm -hmm. was, right? I need a thing. I can go get it. And it was kind of fun just to be here doing my little carving in my own space. And, you know, right. at the end of our two-hour Zoom, I'm still carving. Yep. So. I think it's here to say, and I, I think people want different things out of an in-person versus a virtual mm -hmm. class. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see if this is a success <laughs> or a failure. <laughs> well, good luck. Good luck. Yeah, just figuring out the camera angles, I think, was kind of the tricky bit. I've, I've decided partially what has held me back. Like, people have been asking me, actually all year to do a virtual class on it. And I'm just like, no, because Zoom and the noise of a angle grinder is loud, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I've just been like, I don't know. So I think I'm gonna do like a Zoom, then like a canned video where I can like control the angles um, right, right, and yeah. like show different you know ways. And then like a follow-up Zoom question and answer like where'd you get stuck that type of stuff yeah um I just so, think that's gonna be better I don't know interesting thing so I bought these earbuds right for doing zoom mm -hmm. classes and whatever well so I I wear these earbuds I put my earmuffs on to go make a cut well when I put those earmuffs on it muffles the sound for the students so you could wear these underneath your muffs while you're power grinding, right? Oh. And then turn it off, take your muffs off, and then talk to your students. So bonus, just saying. Perhaps, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I might end up trying out a few different methodologies. Somebody else yeah. told me to, I guess, a Zoom, that Zoom actually, like, after a few seconds of that sound will mute it, it, it as does. well. Yeah. Um, but still, an angle grinder is not quiet. No, not, <laughs> not, not at even all. remotely quiet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we shall see. So I feel like, I mean, you did chemistry and now you do. I mean, yes, it's studio art, but it is woodworking as well. And I'm pretty pretty certain of this statement that neither field, neither field is heavily uh, female based. No, <laughs> not at all. <clears throat> so what was that? I mean, like I do, I would like the perspective to both like corporate world and now like what, what was it like? I mean, navigating, what's it been like yeah. navigating both those spaces? So luckily I've always had people that support me. Like I have never 
like to do traditional girl things. I've always liked to do more guy things. So always are getting a motorcycle. Okay, well, I'll get one too. Oh, the carburetors need to be rebuilt. Okay, well, I better learn how to do that, right? So I, I was always used to being kind of the lone female in the room. Um, and so I kind of know the vocabulary, which is a great, um, great boost to your confidence when you just know the lingo. But as a chemist, there were times where I was lead and people would talk to my male colleagues it was like, whoa, whoa, me, this is, yeah, I'm the only one to talk to you. Um, but I would say it, it, it's been harder in some ways in the woodworking thing. Um, like when I went to buy my tools, like I had the list, like I kitted out my shop in one day, right? And so I had a list of all my questions. So um, there's a Grizzly outlet, like an hour and a half away from where I live. Oh, that's nice. what I could afford. So that's what I did. So uh, rented a box truck, drove to Grizzly, got a sales guy. I asked the question, dude answered my husband. And my husband said, no, you, you really need to talk to her. She's, she's okay. So I asked my next question, dude answered my husband again. And it's like, nope, nope. It's like, okay. So thank you. Thanks. We're, we're just going to look now. So next sales guy, same drill. Rick said, nope, you really need to talk to Kelly. So I asked my next question. He answered me. It's like, holy cow. So he and I had this good dialogue. I spent $11,000 with him that day, mm -hmm. but just, it's like, seriously, the table saw does not care that I have a uterus. It right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So that, that's been, and then I, I was teaching a class once and this guy walked in and I, I walked over to introduce myself and goes, oh, you're the instructor. It's like, yeah, I am. You're going to learn a lot, but yeah, I'm the instructor. <laughs> so it's, it's really the exception more than the rule, but you do kind of have to have thick skin and just grin your way through it. But like the minute I start talking or the minute somebody sees my portfolio, they know that I'm the real deal. Right. Right. But uh, but it's having to take that extra step. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, I, I do it. We all do it. Right. Just it, but it does get kind of exhausting. You have to smile your way through another sort of. Path. Do you ever just want to scream and yell at them and shake them? Cause lately I've been having to stuff that down more and more and yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just out of frustration, right? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, all this Black Lives Matters and and you know, Women's History Month. It's like I wish, I wish we, I wish it didn't have to be a deal. I just want to be able to walk into a room and see a young black gay woodworker. It's like, oh, young black gay woodworker, whatever. You know right. what I mean? I don't, I don't want every anybody to be oh the first. I don't, I don't right. want there to have to be somebody being called out because she's the first whatever. It's just you're great. I'm great. If they have a skill rock, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I had, I've had that lucky. conversation with other, had this conversation with, you know, plenty of other um, women in, in craft and trade yeah. where it's like, I just want to be a fill in the blank, a woodworker yep. or yep. a metal worker or whatever. Yeah. I don't want to have to be like the girl, whatever or right. the woman, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I do understand that, though I do feel like, uh, at least personally, it's like one of those things of like, but I am a female woodworker and that's like, okay. 
to be a female woodworker and embrace that part because I know that that part of me is, along with all the other parts of me brings something totally different right and to my work. there are differences I mean our bodies are built different we're shorter mostly so the way like our body mechanics and how I have to eight foot board two inches thick is different how a dude does how I have to break down sheet goods so I can get it small enough to right. get on my table saw is is different I want tools that are smaller I have small hands so so I think there are gender differences in how we work and the tools we want but what's up here and what comes out of this no right yeah yeah if there was like if if there was a way to or something you could I guess say to your male counterparts <laughs> uh, about the, I guess about the environment or the culture that they, I guess they help maintain. And I don't mean that in, an, in a negative sense. I mean that in the sense of like, just it being a bunch of males in a room creates a culture yeah, that, a, that a woman has to walk into. Yeah. Like what would, what would be some, I don't know, some advice or some. It's, gosh, it's kind of intimidating, isn't it? Like, especially when I was new, because I was like, I was always the slowest woodworker in a class. And I don't want to be on a tool. I know I got a whole line of people mm -hmm. behind me. It's like, ah. um, yeah, just be. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to really rag on the guys. Like they kind of right. grow up the environment they do, but I, I guess just be more supportive and aware. Like I'm a short person. And so I'm trying to watch right. a demo. A big dude always stands right in front of me. Like, really? <laughs> that's not just for me as a woman, but maybe right. make sure that you don't have a shorter guy behind you. So right. just, just be aware of right. who's in the room and how you're supporting them or maybe not supporting them. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Maybe just more. Um, the word that's coming to mind is like connection based thinking. And, and I say that in the sense of like, uh, females tend to not always but tend to be more connection based or more uh, just people based. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's like, if we could just have a little bit more of that, I guess, in the spaces of like, yes, like you said, not just aware that there's a woman in the space, but that there's maybe 10 other guys in that space with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yes, the tall person always stands in front of you, <laughs> like always. <laughs> So, yeah, so it hasn't, I've only had a couple of instances where it was kind of an overt thing, but yeah. Is it something though that's in the back of your mind when you're about to like go into another class as the teacher? Is that something that hangs back there of like? Well, I always feel like I have to definitely prove myself and I feel like I can't have a misstep, whereas a guy can. Um, same thing on social media, right? I'm kind of a little hesitant on some of my posts. Like if I post something, it's like, oh, well, that's not the right way to do it. You know, I just feel like as a woman, I don't get 
quite the same leeway as a guy would making a similar post. And that's kind mm -hmm. of a generalization, but I do definitely feel like I need to prove myself more and beyond uh, what a male colleague would to just to show that I have the credibility to be mm -hmm. teaching this class that I'm teaching. Yeah. And, and part of that's me too, and just insecurities and always wanting to be hyper prepared for something, ready to answer every question. And like, I haven't, I've only been doing this for 10 years. I don't have the experience to answer every question, but I expect that I should be able to answer every question. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. I feel strongly like I want to say, don't put it all on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel pretty strongly that some of yeah. it is just like, you know, yeah, the system in place. Um. Yeah, I, I, think, I think so too. I yeah. think so too. But I think as more women are in front and teaching woodworking mm -hmm. classes that I think, oh, the perception changes. Like I had, I had a guild president ask me one time what I thought about women only classes. And it's like, women only, like I kind of get it, but a woman only class, like if you're not a woman, then you feel excluded. And I think a fill in the blank only thing, if you're not that fill in the blank category, then you feel excluded. I do get not being intimidated by being the only woman in class and not being comfortable. Like I get why someone would want mm -hmm. that. But I said to me, a better way to get the message out is to get a really strong, great female to teach this class. Yes. Let people see, you don't get, yeah. you need to say anything. Oh, look, this is our first woman teacher. Right. No, just get a kick-ass woman to teach that class. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people get a look at a different face in front of that classroom. I, I, I agree. I mean, I agree. I do know that women, I think, historically have been more prone to be open to taking like a woodworking class or a blacksmithing class or whatever, if it was a woman only class, yeah. um, because of that intimidation factor. I, do. I totally get that. But on the other side, personally, I don't really care what the makeup of the students are. I'm more drawn to, is it a female teacher? Mm. If it's a female teacher, then even if every other student in the class was a male, I wouldn't feel as intimidated. Yeah. If that, yeah. I don't know if that makes much no, sense. I, but, I get yeah. You know, I, I, and to me, it also lets me know that like that organization or whoever's like hosting that class, like sees value. Yes you know, and yeah. in, in, to your point in that, that person knows that skill. And so like, regard, like they're, they're, I don't want to say they're willing to overlook the gender, but they're, they're saying, okay, that person knows that skill and yeah. it happens to be a woman and that's yes. fine. That's great. You yeah. Know? Um, we're actually, we're getting close to the end Whoa. of our time together. I know it went fast, right? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so I want to give you a chance though, to let people know, you know, how and where they can find you and connect with you to see all of your amazing work. Well, uh, so I'm on Instagram, brave new world. Um, <laughs> and that's Kelly Parker, 2017. And I use Instagram, I guess, mostly as a teaching tool. Um, I feel like so problem solving is the thing that we do. And I think 
if people can see lots and lots of creative problem solving solutions, mm -hmm. let's say, think about their work differently and yep. maybe try a thing they've never tried before. Uh, so Kelly Parker 2017 and then my website is woodsongstudio.com. Um, and I'm getting a new website, very excited about that. So, awesome. Yeah. And you, so you've got a class coming up in Florida, any other Florida? classes coming up? Um, I don't think so, not at the moment. So uh, the Florida School of Woodwork, um, first couple of weeks in April. And I think, I think there may be two seats left in that class and we'd love to have a couple more ladies, so. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so if anybody wants to contact me about that, that would be great. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Kelly, for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Love yes. to watch your videos, your dance off. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of levity in the day. That's right. <laughs> All right. So again, that was Kelly Parker, and I'll include the links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes and description for today's episode. So you can find it in the description on your favorite podcast app, be it iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, check out the description down below uh, to see links on how you can follow along with Kelly and her work and what classes she might have coming up. Um, as always, if you enjoyed this week's episode, please make sure that you hit that subscribe, like, comment button, head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. All of that helps the podcast out. Make sure that you're following along over on Instagram. It is at Wonder Women Pod. All right, so Wonder Women Pod. And a reminder too, um, especially if you've been a long time listener. So the show previously was called the Maker Mom Podcast, and I just recently changed it over to Wonder Women Podcast so that we can incorporate all the other uh, ladies and non-binary folks that we love with the Wednesday episodes. All right, head on over to Patreon, check out uh, supporting the podcast. I love all my patrons over there. So there's all kinds of different tier levels you can choose from. And when there is additional content, you get access to that, um, as well as any of the swag that comes with whatever tier level you choose. So go check that out. Um, also, again, at Maker, or uh, see, I got to get used to this, at Wonder Woman Pod over on Instagram. Follow along over there. Uh, when I am not making podcasts, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor at freemanfurnishings.com and at freemanfurnishings pretty much across all of social media. I'm active on a daily basis though on Instagram and TikTok at Freeman Furnishings. So you can see what project I am currently up to. And if you happen to head on over on a Tuesday, you can spot a shop dance going on. Um, all right, what else, what else, what else? I don't think there's any other announcements to be made. Um, a reminder, if you're going to go check out Patreon and help support the podcast on an ongoing basis, it still currently shows up as Maker Mom Podcast over on Patreon. I am working on getting that changed. All right. It's Wednesday, halfway through the week. I hope you all are having a great week so far, and I hope you are getting out and making something, and I will see you all on Friday with a brand new episode. Thank you.